Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft Nation Podcast. My name is Joe 412, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. Before we begin, we want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all the time, all for free. And for those of you who have not listened to our show before, Draft Nation is a national e-magazine, and we hyper-focus on localized news coverage in all four major sports professional drafts, and that means we cover aspects of scouting, mock drafts, uh, team free agencies, uh, the salary cap provisions for your favorite team, and of course, the needs for your favorite team. And and with me tonight, I've got two familiar voices. First of all, I've got Mark Mancini from Liberty Bell Smack out in Philadelphia, but he's not on the East Coast. He's in the West Coast in LA tonight. And of course, I've got uh, JT, John Toth, who is the editor of Draft 412 in Pittsburgh, JT, Mark, welcome to the Draft Nation podcast. How are you guys doing this evening? Good. Thank you very much. Oh, oh man. We're revved up, man. This is the show that's sweeping the country. The black and gold, the bird, man, the Roberto Clemente Bridge, the Strip District, everything. Yeah, we brought, brought JT in because we've got a lot to talk about. I'm sure that we've, we've got things to talk about for Pitt, Penn State, and the Steelers. But I want to start off with some baseball. I mean, I think we're right here at the end of it. Um i got to be honest, I am surprised with how well the Rangers are playing and how well the Phillies, I don't want to even say are playing, they're just dominating. You know, I, you know I, I had the Astros, and Mark, you know this, I mean, I had the Astros and uh, the Braves, if, if, you know, in, in my, uh, you know, my, you know, kind of like poll here. Uh, and, you know, and, but like, I honestly, I mean, the, Philly, the, the Phillies are just on a tear. You know, and now they go they go out west with a 2-0 lead, you know, and I think the Rangers are playing as good as anybody. I still have my money on the Astros, but I got to tell you, man, I'm not so sure that Philly isn't the team to beat right here. I don't know, JT. What do you think? I know you're a big baseball guy. Like, if you had to choose, what what are you looking at? Am I seeing something different? I'll tell you what. You at least have a team left. I picked Baltimore and Atlanta, so I'm I'm out totally. I don't even have a team in the in the in the dog fight anymore. Um, Philly right now is just their lineup is dominant. Um, when you have a guy like Kyle Schwarber leading off that has three homers in the last two games, and then um, Bryce Harper 
is is becoming the superstar that we always thought he would. He's becoming that guy now in the lineup where you, I mean, making making plays, making getting big time hits. Uh, the Phillies are right now to me the most dominant team in this, and uh, if they keep this up, they they should they should sweep Diamondbacks, and then I think they'll take whoever makes it out of the American League right now. Um, their lineup is set all the way through. Trey Turner, they just got they got talent all through that lineup. Um, great pitching. Um, I mean, Atlanta won 104 games, but it didn't mean anything at the end of the day. I mean, it's just two years in a row the Phillies took it to them. Um, they're they're um, seasoned veterans now in the playoffs, and I, I wouldn't want to play them, especially, um, you know, you saw what the Diamondbacks did to the Dodgers. That might have been the most amazing thing in the playoffs, the Diamondbacks sweeping the Dodgers. Um, well, yeah, you know, that's – unless you're Mark Mancini, because Mark called the Dodger <laughs> thing back in July. Right, Mark. I mean, I don't. I don't want to segue away from JT, but this is this is your. You're, you're in LA. You know it better than anybody. I mean, the Dodgers yet again bail, bail out way too early. Well, and not only that, I got one team in the fight. I have the uh, Phillies uh, hang in there, and they're the only ones hanging. Uh, the Jays went home. The Brewers went home. The Mariners failed to get in there at the last. Uh, few days of the season but uh, i will tell you this guys a connected team is a dangerous team and the phillies are very connected they're uh when you look at this they all pull for one another everybody's on that bench and that place is a house of hell just go ask uh, kelly warming up in that bullpen where the philly faithful was surrounding that like a sea just yelling at him as he's warming up i mean these these phillies are going to end up winning it and you know, no disrespect to the guys, you guys that took the Orioles and the Braves and everything, but I will tell you this, and I always look at this when doing a show with Kip Gross and on the other side of the gross misconduct thing, that experience plays a big role. And you might come back and say, well, Mark, the Rangers don't have experience. Well, they have an ace in the hole in Bruce Bochy. I got to cover him for three years in San Diego, and he's working wonders. But that train will come to a halt against Philly. The thing with the Braves, the Orioles, the Dodgers, and some of these teams is – they shot their wad by blowing out their divisions pretty much, not so much the Orioles, but the Braves and the Dodgers did. And they had nothing left in the tank. Five days off, they're blaming it on a postseason format. You know what? If you're managing a team or something and you can't get your guys ready to go five days while you're sitting around, it's your fault, and shame on you. But I will tell you the Dodgers just aren't built for October. Circle the wagons, and I'll lay the facts down that this team hasn't won a World Series in 35 years, playing 162 games. No, I'm not counting 2020. They just don't have the pitching. They think they can, you know, bring in a guy like Otani, and this is going to change the culture and everything. You've got to have winners, and that's why there's a winner in Philadelphia in Bryce Harper. He plays the game like uh, Pete Rose, plays the game like Kirk Gibson. If you don't have that type of guy, and you know what? A legend is not determined by how many rings he has. Uh, Robert Ory won seven uh, rings with the Spurs and the Lakers. He's no better than Charles Barkley, who failed to win a ring, guys. I, I agree JT, with that. Of, yeah, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Jim. I, I'm I'm just say I, I, agree, I agree with his. I agree with his assessment. I agree with um, the fact that Bryce Harper is one of them guys. Um, I was a little bit younger when Pete Rose was doing his thing, but I remember the way my dad and his generation acted and I, I think Bryce Harper has that same kind of effect on the younger kids today my kid's 24 um he'll text me or call me dad you see Harper I mean 
I, I agree with him at the Pete Rose um, co- uh, comparison to Bryce Harper. I think Harper is the, the new generation, like the Pete Rose kind of player that people are starting to um, hook on to and like. JT, um, I'm going to throw this out of the blue at you, but the I know your hometown Pirates had a chance to draft a guy named Dylan Cruz who was heralded as potentially the next Bryce Harper or the next Mike Trout. Uh, did the Pirates make a mistake? Did, should they have chosen Dylan Cruz regardless of the agent thing? It just worked through it, and so they didn't leave a guy like that who – I mean, obviously you see that what Harper's done uh, here and in previous years. You know, did they make a mistake by by drafting uh, Schemes, uh, who's clearly a gen- the potential of a generational pitcher there, um, but a guy that's only going to play 35 games a year versus a guy that's going to play 150? What, what are your thoughts on that? Joe, you know, I'm um, going into the draft. I was so, um, I was so for Dylan Cruz. I thought the Pirates have a, um, their 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 organization already lacks outfielding depth, outfielder depth. You can see that in, on the major league team. You got a catcher playing right field, um, you know, a guy that strikes out 170 times in one outfielder, and you got Brian Reynolds. I, I still, as much as I know that Paul Skeens is a generational pitcher, in the back of my mind, I know that a pitcher's arm can go in a, in a blink of an eye. Um, he could throw his arm out. He could, you know, get the Tommy John, be out of year and, and move everything back. So I, I think when it's all said and done, I still I'm, – I'm on the Dylan Cruz bandwagon. I think the, the 150 games he gave you in center field with, with a Sawinski and a Reynolds um, makes a very, very nice team. And uh, I'm going to stick with that. I think uh, the Pirates did mess up um, – and if, if if Skeens becomes that generational pitcher, I mean, even look at like Strasburg, he had some really good years. But I mean, at the, I mean, you don't get the you don't get the longevity that you would get a guy like a guy like Cruz. I mean, Strasburg's career's at the end of his career now, at the end of his rope now, and I think that Cruz can give you a fifteen, sixteen year career in center field. Mark, I know that you might disagree here. I know that you're a Skeens fan. Um, I, I don't think they could have made a, a true mistake here. I, I agree with JT. Maybe. At a position of need, clearly, you know, the Pirates need depth in outfield. They don't have anything, and he could be starting here next year. That's how thin they are uh, in the outfield. Um, but, you know, Skeens looks like – he looks like Roger Clemens, man. i got to be honest. I mean, he's powerful. That, that you know, I, I saw one you know, minor league outing where the guy – his slowest pitch, his off-speed pitch was 99. Uh, you know, the guy's got the juice – uh, but you know, did the Pirates make the right move here in taking schemes over Cruz, or you know, do you do you have you changed your mind? Do you, you do you agree with JT on on uh, Dylan Cruz? Well, I, I you know I like Dylan Cruz a lot, but you know, a Scott Boris and the Pirates just can't figure it out uh, to get a guy in there, and he's not going to end up uh, his whole career in Washington. We know that he'll probably go to a big market thing, but sometimes you get the guy that kind of fits the city. I mean, Jerome Bettis, before he came to the Steelers, he was running for the Rams, and he fit into Pittsburgh, the culture, the the, the, the football uh, scenario there in Pittsburgh. Look at when the, uh, you know, uh, the Penguins picked up a Haglin or a Kunetz, uh from Anaheim. They just fit the system. Um, and the Pirates aren't cheap. I mean, you know, I've done a podcast with those guys for three years, and, you know, they might be small market, but they spend the money. They spent the money on Hayes. They spent the money on Reynolds. You need another front liner to go with Keller there. 
so I, I, I kind of uh, figure this uh, Skeens thing because, you know, you get a guy that kind of fits the city. If you get, you know, that, you know, the, I don't want to say brash, or you get that kind of guy that thinks he's better than, you know, you, you 25 guys are in that locker room. You can't have a lone wolf and 24 other guys. So I'm not saying Dylan Cruz is that guy, but I'm just saying I think Skeens fits Pittsburgh more so than Dylan Cruz would fit the city. Well, you know, I'm going to transition here a little bit because we just got done talking a little bit about MLB draft. And I'm going to throw uh, the 2024 NFL draft out there and start with UJT. Uh, I know this NCAA season has, has brought a lot of surprises and a lot of consistency. There are teams like Georgia and Michigan that everyone thought were just going to continue to win, and they've just continued to win. Uh, and then there are others that have popped up and, and really surprised uh, but from your position, JT, who are some of the prospects that uh, – doesn't have to be the Steelers, be anybody, just prospects uh, that NFL teams are going to take a look at uh, that you might have been surprised. Like before the season, you didn't have them on the radar, but now they're definitely on the radar, and people at the Combine should be looking for them. Uh, I, I, I like the Notre Dame running back, Audrey Esteem, um, Esteem, 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 um the running back for Notre Dame, big guy. Uh, he actually reminds me of Jerome Bettis. Um, he's he's taking taking Notre Dame's offense to the next level with, um, with Sam Hartman there as well. I mean, Sam Hartman, um, really not a draft a draft guy that I would think um, would be a guy that I'd want in the draft. Um, I, I actually, and, and me and you talk about this a lot, Joe, at the, at the pick games. I actually think after the last couple of weeks that MJ Devonshire should be a guy. The teams may be starting to look at in, in the early in the second day now in the uh, draft for the reason that he's uh, tall, he's got length, and he's got um, big playability as a cornerback. So I think he's another guy that, I mean, this guy has his last three interceptions, he's returned for touchdowns. Um, he's he's a guy that makes big plays. He's, he gives you a little bit of return. I, I like him a lot um, as, as two of the guys right there. And I like, I just did a thing on him. I like Lad McConkey. Uh, the wide receiver from Georgia. He's a he's a little he's a little guy, but he reminds me. I just watched film on him for three hours the other day, and he looks and acts just like Julian Edelman. And I think he could be a guy that um, an NFL team will take in the slot, maybe in the fourth or fifth round. That um, you know, if you get a chance to watch Georgia play, uh, watch this McConkey play. He's very uh, very fast and very um, very twitchy, like a, like a Julian Edelman. Those are three right there off the top of my head that I that I like. And I do like, um, but just to get, go over one thing real quick too, is I, I have a little bit of question marks about the big guy in the draft now, Caleb Williams, after his showing last week against a, a tough defense for first time, he's been playing that PAC 12 defense all year, which is like flag football. And he went against a Notre <laughs> Dame defense that has some, that has some very good uh, NFL prospects. And he looked terrible. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this week against another good defense which is one of the few defenses in the Pac-12 that's good is Utah. So um, he, he didn't look real good against Notre Dame. So I wouldn't – I know a lot of people are like, it's, it's a guarantee he's number one, but I, I'm having a little bit of question marks myself on him. Mark, you know, he, he brought up USC. I know you're a West Coast guy. Uh, you know, I think my surprise so far has been the continued solid play of both Bo Nix and Michael Penix, Jr., Speaking of Pac-12, speaking of West Coast, I'm not surprised right. at Caleb Williams. 
the Trojans, look, I mean, that's a rivalry game with Dame. That's a big game on the schedule. Uh, it was a, it was a, a long away trip, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's a game that he probably should have won. You know, I, I think that, you know, Nix has really turned it around since he's gotten to Oregon, and, and I think that Penix, since he's left Indiana and playing up there for, for Washington, that game last week was an instant classic. What an excellent game. You just had a lot game. of fun, both teams. At, at every moment, you felt like the game could change. Uh, it was just – it was that, you know, and a three-point difference, just one of those things where it just changes on a dime. From you out there, I mean, you, you're closer – to the action for the for what's left of the at least for now the Pac-12, um, you know, are Knicks and or Penix as or have, are we overhyping Williams as a you know a potential two-time Heisman Trophy guy or do you think he's got the he's got the goods? Well, I'm a, I'm high on USC and what we saw is we saw an example this week. What we will see an example when this thing gets expanded to 12 teams. 11 or a 12th seed is going to knock out one of those top four teams. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Mark, you're crazy. Well, Notre Dame came in with two losses. USC was undefeated. But, you know, on, on any given week, somebody can take you out. And, you know, you can't just sit on your laurels there. Um, and, and we'll see this, you know, when this thing gets expanded. But let's face it, guys, Caleb Williams, to me, has been the best uh college football playmaker for the last three years. He's a threat that, you know, the advanced that football with his arms and legs. And the NFL gets likes guys like that who can create on their own, you know, and make good decisions. So it was an off one, and, you know, they're allowed that. You know, it's kind of like Bill Belichick. Everybody's calling for his head, but, you know, he's been a winner, what, 20 years? I mean, you're allowed a couple of these off seasons. But I will tell you some guys to watch out for. Imagine if this guy – Marvin Harrison Sr. was four inches taller and 20 pounds heavier. That's probably a good way to explain his son, man. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., man, Ohio State. This guy's got body control, reliable hands. Watch out for him. I like Drake May in the draft. He can just get about anything thrown of him, ask of him with the velocity of ball placement. And another guy, you know, and I haven't seen a tight end in college football that's dominated since Kyle Pitts. Watch out for Brock Bowers. I mean, he can not only block, but he has receiving ability. Watch out. He might not go as high as Pitts, but keep an eye on Brock Bowers. Well, you know, Mark, you just hit on a few there that I've got to comment on. I mean, first of all, Marvin Harrison Jr. might go in the top three. He might be the first non-quarterback off the board. He's that good, that dominating. I think the Drake May comparison for me is an easy one. It's Justin Herbert, right? They're about the same size. I think he has a little bit more mobility than Herbert does. Uh, but, you know, they, they just remind me of the same. I mean, seeing Herbert, you know, back at the Rose Bowl before he got drafted, I mean, you, you just saw yep. him. You saw him as, and May has the same kind of arm, same kind of accuracy, same kind of leadership. I, I think that that's a, that's a no-brainer number two overall pick for me. Whoever doesn't get Caleb Williams is going to, oh, 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 woe was me. I got Drake May in the draft. That's horrible. Oh, my God, I can't believe that happened to me. But you mentioned another name in there. Brock Bowers, to me, is really super intriguing. I mean, I know he's going to be missing, you know, a handful of weeks here because he just had, uh, you know, some uh, some ankle surgery. That guy it changes games. Uh, like, I, I don't – you know, Kyle Pitts had all the talent in the world, and maybe he's not playing in the best system for himself uh, in, in Atlanta right now. With, he doesn't have the best quarterbacks there. He didn't – last couple of years, he surely doesn't with Ritter. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, you know, Bowers, to me, could 
he might be a top five guy. It's, it's crazy yeah. to say. I think he's top ten. I'm not sure he's top five. But, you know, some team might value this. Tight ends, have, their value has been inflated over the last five years because of Gronkowski and, and Kelsey and people see what kind of difference makers they can make. Even this year with Laporta going in the yeah. second round to yeah. the, uh, you know, to the Detroit Lions. But, you know, since you – oh, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to throw one more because I want John to get some uh, pub in here too. But keep your eyes on Kean Coleman, that wide receiver out of Florida State, man. Florida State. He's probably one of the most competitive receivers. Six four, two fifteen, and he's he's going to be a he has the strength and speed to be this uh, uh, a starter in the NFL at the next level. I'm telling you guys, yeah, he's keep like your eyes on him. He's real, real, real good, real good receiver. Well, JT, you wrote a profile on him a few weeks ago. Why don't you talk to, oh, talk to like the, the listeners about it a little bit? Uh, Keon Coleman is just—he's fast, he's tall, he's—he's he's got the hands, he's—he's he's got the whole, he's got the whole, um, he's got everything. Runs good routes. Um, there wasn't much I could say really bad about the guy. Finding um, negative parts about him, he—he's in a good offense. Um, you know, with Jordan Travis, and you got uh, Benson at running back. Um, Coleman, Coleman is definitely um, one of them receivers that is a definite uh, early second day, but he could definitely be one of them like 20 to 32 guys at the first round, at the end of the first round, yeah. sneak up there. And that's after like the Marvin Harrisons and um, and maybe that Roma Duns from uh, from Washington, who's a very good uh, Dunsey, he's a very good receiver from Washington. There's some there's some talent in this draft. Um, the one guy I wanted to talk, talk about real quick was the Bo Nix thing. Bo Nix is, a, is doing really well this year, but if you look back at the times that he spent under center in a regular offense, drop back offense with Auburn, he struggled. So I'd still like to see a little bit more from him. He's in a gimmicky offense. Um, That's just my opinion on him. I think the guy's making good decisions now, but I think Oregon's offense is going to is going to keep him in the fourth or fifth round of the, of the draft. Maybe maybe slide up into like the third round, but I. I'm not as high on him as I am on. I think Penix is the real deal, um, and I think he'll fight for that number three quarterback. And and like you said before, Joe, I think there's a definite chance three quarterbacks could go in the top four or five. And and I, I I'd agree with you that Marvin Harrison would be the first non-quarterback that I would select if I was a team um, picking that high. Yeah. So let me, let's stay with you, JT, because I, I invited you on the show tonight because of one reason and one reason only. Dealers are playing the Rams. And you're in the 4-1-2. Mark is out in L.A. Uh, and, you know, both of these teams have had a, kind of a middling start to their seasons. And I'll get into the AFC North in a second and let you talk about that. But what have you seen that you've liked and what have you seen that you haven't liked from the Steelers this year? And what do you think their chances are against the Rams this, uh, this, uh, this weekend? Uh, what I like about the Steelers is their, their defense making big plays at, at opportune times. Um, I think I, I posted – I did that article last week on the weekend about uh, – in case you haven't seen it, the Steelers' defense ranking-wise is not real good. We give up uh, – we're giving up a ton of yards per game. We're, we're bending but not breaking kind of thing. But the defense just has so much um, big play talent with Watt, Fitzpatrick, um, Highsmith. That, that's the part that I like. The part I don't like about the team right now is they're still trying to – still trying to force-feed the ball to Najee. I'm not a big Najee guy. I'm – I'm not gonna say I'm gonna give up on the guy, but I just don't see see him running hard through holes, or I, I don't I don't see him um, waiting for blocks, and that's that's a, a negative thing for me right now with Pittsburgh. Another thing I don't like is how I'm hearing about you know Broderick Jones. Why would they not 
I'm not saying he's a starter yet or not for the game. Why would you not throw him in there as a starter after performing pretty pretty good against a Baltimore Ravens team? He held uh, Jadavian Clowney down to a tackle or something like that. So I, I the coaching, of course, with Canada, and, and the coaching bothers me, of course, the offensive uh, coordin- coordinator and the play calling and and basically just the, the fact that just – there's no there's no rhythm on the offense. I'm hoping maybe Deontay Johnson helps that this week. But going against LA, I don't like this matchup. LA has two very good receivers right now, Nakua and Cup, that are that are like water bugs. They look like they're impossible to impossible to cover. I mean, they're, that Nakua came out of nowhere, and and of course Cooper Cup came in back from injury. They're going to give our secondary a lot of lot of trouble. Um, and the fact that they it's quick passes so. I don't know if the Steelers are going to get the pressure on Stafford that they're going to need, and, and they got a decent running back in Kyron Williams from uh, Notre Dame, who I, I I really liked him in college. I think he's he's performing pretty well. So I don't think it's a great matchup for the Steelers. And, and if you look at the Steelers' history, they lost to the Texans, they beat the Ravens. I could see them losing to the Rams. Mark, what about you? I mean, you're out there. You see the Rams every week. Um, you know, you cover you know West Coast sports and. and all four of the major sports out there. I mean, you know, yep. is this a is this a Ram team that's every before the season started? Everybody thought the Rams were going to pack up and go one and fifteen and trade Stafford and all this kind of stuff. And Cup goes down and they can't win. And now all of a sudden they're not doing too bad. They're not doing great, but they're still in it. There's still there's a fight here. Uh, and there were even rumors about them trading Aaron Donald. It was like ridiculous, right? Uh, you know, and just cleaning house and starting all over. It looks like the Rams are they're in it. They're, they're fighting for for every game. Uh, Obviously, some weaknesses and things like that. But you know, do you think the Rams win? Do you think the Steelers win? And and what has impressed you about the Rams this year so far? Well, it's Sean McVay came back. Matthew Stafford seems to you know got his target in Cooper Cup. The benefit of this, and you know, you're right. Uh, John's right. You know, here's a team that you know uh, struggled in Vegas, lost to Houston, but they're allowed one of those games a year, two of them. Tomlin has that on his platform. But the great thing about this is they had a bye after that Raven game, so they've had time to get acclimated if they came out here early and stuff, and that'll give them the advantage. The Rams just beat up on an Arizona team, so yeah, it could be a trap game, but I think the Steelers know what's at stake, you know, the Ravens are playing some good football, and they'll be doing a little scoreboard watching before that because the Ravens are playing Detroit. So, and Cleveland's not going away because Cleveland took San Francisco. So this division's turning into the SEC. But I like the Steelers, and if I can add one more on that um, uh, draft that we don't talk about, and I've been watching this kid for a while, Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Let me tell you something. You know, the offensive tackle in the NFL is a highly scrutinized position. This guy could be another Trent Williams for the 49ers or Lane Johnson for the Eagles, man. I like this kid a lot. I don't know what your thoughts he are. He may that. go top. He okay. may go top five. He could go top five. He could be that other guy that he's he's, he's definitely um him and uh, Fashanu from Penn State are two guys that could be in the yeah. top ten. Yeah, I like Patrick Paul from Houston too. He's another guy that really hasn't given up anything yeah. this year. I think he has like one hurry. Uh, no, he plays in a in a lesser conference. You know, Alt is, you know, that's that's a gauntlet that that guy runs through playing for, for Notre Dame. And, you know, Olu Fashanu, <laughs> if he goes oh, in the gosh. top five, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, the guy, you know, has he given up a sack in two years? I don't think, the, I don't think he has either. 
but you know, JT, you you wrote profiles on on all three of those guys. If you had your choice, your choice, one of those three, who would you take first out of that group? I think you sort of said it in your um, comments. I would take I would take Joe Alt. I think Alt has gotten. Um, Look at the Notre Dame, what they've been through this year already in their in their schedule and what he's played against and, and how he's performed. Uh, I'm not putting Fashanu down for that because Fashanu is going to play Ohio State this weekend, and he's got a tough Michigan team in November. So he's going to see that, and we'll see how he performs. But I think Joe Old is um, – I think he's I think he's the best. If I had to pick one, I would pick him, and then I'd pick Fashanu. And I do like I do like Patrick Paul from Houston um, as the as the three tackles in that, in that first – the first part of the first round, but I, I would go Joe Wall just based on what he's done against opponents that he's played against already this year and plus last year. Well, JT, we're down to the last couple of minutes here, and, and since you're our guest tonight, I wanted to give you the final word on this. We, I hinted at it a few minutes ago, and then we got – I think Mark throwing out Joe Alt threw us back into prospects, which I think all three of us <laughs> have a habit of running back to the draft right away. Uh, but, you know, for those Steeler fans that are that are listening and, and for the rest of the AFC North fans that are listening, you know, what's your prediction for how the AFC North finishes uh, this year? We've, we've got less than a minute. I'll tell you what, we got Ravens 4-2, we're 3-2, Browns are 3-2, and two, Bengals are 3-3. and three. I'm going to go with the Bengals at 3-3. Three and three. I think the Bengals find themselves. Um, I think Burrow... I think he is nursing an injury, but I think Cincinnati's offense will, will start to click what they have sort of done the last couple of weeks. I think you've seen with Lamar Jackson, he's never going to be a consistent uh, week in and week out. I think the Ravens will finish second, though. Um, I think the Browns, I think that was a – I'm not going to say it was a um, – well, I will say it. It was a it – was it wasn't – that wasn't real. They beat the Niners. That's, that's, that was they, – they blew their load in that game. They're, they're going to have trouble – they're going to have trouble doing anything like that again. Um, I think Cleveland um, wins about six or seven games, and I think Pittsburgh is going to be like they were last year. I hate to say it. We're going to be eight and nine, nine and eight. Um, so I think Pittsburgh finishes third. So that's, that's what I see, Cincy, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland. Well, JT, before we let you go, tell everybody who's listening uh, how they can get a hold of you and where they can find you on social media and, and, and on the, the interwebs. Yeah, well, and email me. You can email me at jt at draft412.com if you have any questions or anybody you want me to profile in the draft. Um, on um, Facebook, just look at – I'm at, uh, at draft412 is the page. The, the uh, page you'll find me. Um, any any questions or comments, please leave it for me. And um, is there anything you want us to do at draft412, also let us know. And please read the articles. You'll see we're, we're pretty much um, – right now with the football season, we've got a steady um, – weekly scene you'll see a six pack one day you'll see the the top three games the next day and then you'll see um some stuff if you miss it over the weekend so check us out at uh, www.draft412.com well thanks again jt for coming on and mark as always thank you guys uh and a big thanks uh, again to our sponsor iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music radio and podcasts all for free and remember while draft nation may be off the air we are always on the clock for you thanks again gentlemen 